This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Top doctors in the U.S. are warning about a highly contagious Omicron variant called BA2 that could lead to another uptick in COVID cases and deaths. Here's White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci. We need to be prepared to pivot and perhaps go back on some of the mitigations like masking if required. I hope we don't need to go there. I hope we don't. But if we do, we need to be prepared to be flexible and really take taper and, 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 and guide our actions according to what the data show. The U.S. typically follows COVID-19 trends in Europe and the U.K. by a few weeks, but this isn't always the case. So what can we expect this time around? Will we have to mask up again? Joining us with the latest guidance is Dr. Mia Taramina, an infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Hi, doctor. Thanks for making time. Hey, Sasha. About 25% of cases in Chicago right now are BA2. So I want to start with the big question, doctor. Are we about to see a new COVID surge here in Chicago? You know, I hope we're not talking about surge. I hope we're talking more about that appreciable uptick in cases where we do see more cases and we do see numbers coming up, but not necessarily in a way that it's going to lead to significant severe hospitalizations or deaths, uh, certainly with any of these viruses and certain susceptible persons, there are going to be those more severe cases. But in general, even what I'm seeing in the last week compared to the previous several weeks, um, there are a handful more cases that we're hearing about, you know, that it seemed like oh, this was done and over with, but you know, now we do have a few more cases popping up, and I think that's the trend we're going to see now in the coming weeks. So should we be changing our behavior based on this news? I think we have definitely reached the point in the pandemic where there is that individual responsibility that we have to take. So if you are someone who is more susceptible to a more severe COVID illness or hospitalization, because of your health history or because of your vaccine status, we do need to be extra mindful at this time. Uh, if you're going away for spring break or if you're going to be gathering indoors with groups to have a mask with you and to be willing to be flexible on assessing a situation because close knit, you know, environments are still going to be where this has the opportunity to spread more readily. Can you remind us what makes BA2 different from other COVID variants? Yeah, you know, remember it was called the stealth variant when it first was uh, sort of identified, and it's been around for a couple of months now. Once we had Omicron uh, identified, right out of the gate, there were several strains of Omicron. It's just we had a predominant strain, the BA1 strain, that kind of took over and, and you know, replaced Delta as the dominant strain that we were seeing. Mm -hmm. What makes BA2 different is the fact that we require a, an additional step in order to identify it in genetic testing. So that's what makes it kind of stealth and sneak through our easier testing. What makes it different primarily is the number of variant variations it has genetically make it about one and a half times more transmissible than the original Omicron strain. So inevitably, as we are seeing worldwide and in Europe, it's going to overtake BA1 as the predominant circulating strain that we are living alongside. On Friday, Chicago's top doctor, Allison Arwidi, joined us on Reset. I want to play a little bit of what she had to say about BA2 trends in the U.S. so far. 
if you look at the Northeast, they're already up to 30, 35 percent. Uh, Connecticut is leading the country. But at no point yet, whether here in Chicago, whether in the Northeast, have we seen that increase in the BA2 variant turning into clear surges in cases. So we're clear, Dr. Teramina, is BA2 following a similar pattern from Omicron or Delta, or is it spreading differently? It's it's spreading similarly in some ways and, and different in other ways. You know, Omicron was so dramatically different than Delta and, and became dominant so quickly that pretty much uh, many people couldn't avoid it over the winter holidays. And it did lead to a significant number of illnesses, which translated into hospitalizations and deaths. People that have had Omicron and recovered from it are likely still holding on to some decent antibodies, plus people that were recently boosted are holding on to some decent antibodies, making it less likely to have a severe BA2 breakthrough infection. Um, And BA2, even if you have no history of COVID and no history of vaccines, is still likely going to be a less severe strain of the virus, making it so we just aren't seeing an uptick in hospitalizations at this point. Of course, we have to keep our finger on the pulse of that because things can change. Mm -hmm. But right now, it, it seems as though, yep, we are definitely seeing more breakthrough cases. We're going to see more through the spring break weeks, especially with travel and gathering, and they are likely going to be mild, maybe even some asymptomatic cases that are popping up on routine screening, Um, but they are going to less than surge, kind of more slow the roll of a decline. We're going to kind of have this plateauing that's happening. Yeah, and being vaccinated and boosted, does that remain the best way to protect ourselves from BA2? It absolutely does. I mean, we've had at least eight or so studies now showing that, you know, being vaccinated and boosted is going to be our best protection against the BA2 strain. By having those antibodies circulating in our system, when we are met with that virus and get exposed to it, our body is more capable of developing a rapid response to the viral trigger. That's Mm -hmm. the job of these vaccines. And that's part of the reason why as well, those of us who are fully vaccinated and boosted are far less likely to have long-term COVID effects or long-haul COVID because we have that more immediate response to the virus when we are exposed and our antibodies can work more quickly. We don't have a virus running around as unchecked and binding to too many different places, you know, it, it, with a little more fervor than, than those who are vaccinated. Something I'm still having trouble understanding, doctor, is why COVID cases have shot up in China, where they have a COVID zero strategy. Yeah, it, it's it's multifactorial. So a few things about what's happening in China. They definitely have had a very totalitarian approach to just locking everything down and, and striving for that zero COVID. Right. Where, where we have some misses is even though more than 80% of the entire population of China is vaccinated, we actually have a little bit less in the most vulnerable population, the 80 and up. So we have a lot of folks in that 80 and up population that still aren't vaccinated and don't have as much protection. We also have the reality that China has resisted using the more westernized messenger RNA vaccines. Uh, Their vaccine uh, is just not as effective, and they've even declined opportunities to use our Pfizer vaccines as booster doses for their population. 
Um, right now, they are pretty committed to using their own vaccines. They do have some messenger RNA vaccines in trials, but an inferior vaccine product as well is leading to significant upticks in cases, especially in Hong Kong as well. Um, so there's there's a lot kind of driving, you know, the factors that are leading to an incredible surge. And the biggest concern, by my point of view, is all of those infections, even if they're mild, are more potential from the evolution of, of more resistant variants. If you're just tuning in, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and that is infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina. We're discussing the latest guidance on the BA2 variant. Uh, so, doctor, there's new research that shows that people who are vaccinated and they contract uh, COVID are, are, are less likely to get long COVID. How's that yeah. work? So, you know, essentially we were saying what happens is when you're fully vaccinated and boosted, your body is primed to have that exposure. So when you have that high risk exposure or when you, you know, become infected, those, you know, spike antibodies that our body has produced are able to meet that virus, bind it up quickly and get us over the hump sooner, making us at least 50% less likely to have symptoms lasting longer than four weeks. And beyond four weeks, even with those long lingering symptoms like fatigue and stuff, when we really get into the long COVID category, you're still much less likely if you've been fully vaccinated and boosted. You know, the, the virus itself is is an immune trigger that happens. And if, if we don't have you know, antibodies ready to meet this virus, then, you know, the virus runs a little bit haywire in our system sometimes and can wreak a little more havoc before antibodies are naturally developed and able to take care of that. So yeah. uh, data does absolutely show that you have a less, uh, less chance of long COVID complications if you're fully vaccinated and boosted. As we talk about being vaccinated, uh, we did get a voicemail for you this morning, doctor, from Trisha in West Ridge. She was wondering when we'll know more information about vaccines for kids under five. Can you give us the latest? Well, we are we are waiting and waiting and waiting here, probably in the next few weeks. Um, I was hoping for last week of March. It's looking more like it's going to be early April. Um, and with sort of the um, uh, going back to the drawing board that Pfizer had to do, Moderna time-wise has caught up as well. So we may be seeing both Pfizer and Moderna have data on the under fives at some point in the month of April for sure. Um, if that looks good and everything looks safe and efficacious, uh, there could be vaccines in arms as soon as end of April into May. Uh, and definitely, you know, as we approach getting into the school year for next year, we'll definitely have options for these younger kids. You know, vaccine immunity can wane over time. And many people who had that extra immunity from getting Omicron in December or in January, they no longer have that protection. So do we know how many people have lost protection from COVID? You know, that's something that is still um, going to be hard to, to categorize. But yes, when we start seeing more of an uptick in cases, especially as we approach the fall, thinking of how many people became infected with Omicron, especially in December and January, you know, by the time we get three, six, nine months beyond that infection, even if we've been fully vaccinated and boosted, we've got our vaccines and boosters kind of falling off in terms of efficacy. And we have our natural antibodies in some ways falling off in terms of efficacy. 
And we are going to have a lot of people, especially into the fall and next year, having their second and third round of COVID virus. So um, hopefully these are very mild and hopefully, you know, the vaccines that we have in our system do continue to protect many of us from even getting COVID as a breakthrough infection. Yeah. But yep, there, there are going to be those folks that um, when we see upticks coming up in the future, it is largely going to be driven by, if not a new variant, it'll be driven by waning immunity. In the U.S., a thousand people are still dying every day from COVID. Uh, we know at this point that the virus isn't going away anytime soon, but what would you say needs to happen to bring the number of deaths down? Because this just is unacceptable. It is. It is. You know, we go back to square one in all of this, where our our biggest protection against these hospitalizations and deaths is vaccine. And while we talk about vaccinating and boosting, and while we wait to vaccinate our littlest kids, we still have, you know, tens of millions of people who are not vaccinated with even a single dose. And that is what is going to be a major driver, not necessarily 100%. If you are unvaccinated, you're more at risk for death per se, but it's just the the perpetuation of this pandemic and the fact that it will continue pressing onward as it continues to have vulnerable hosts. And the most vulnerable are still going to be our unvaccinated folks. So that's what needs to happen. We still need to have an effort against those holdouts to get primary vaccine into as many people as possible. You know, doctor, we started this show with a reflection on the second anniversary of the COVID lockdown. Everyone's lives has changed so much over the course of these two years. Can you talk about how your role as an infectious disease specialist has evolved? Prior to the pandemic, I definitely would get tapped for certain outbreaks. I was, you know, we'd have measles outbreaks or through the Zika pandemic, we, um, you know, definitely had a lot of work to do. Nothing like this. It is truly looking back on the last two years. This is something completely unbelievable. My my day-to-day and my sort of bread and butter infectious disease work pre-pandemic um, fell to a very small percentage of my day-to-day work. There were periods of time during this pandemic where nearly every single patient I saw every day was a COVID patient. And that's all we did day in and day out. And it's gotten to a point where right now at this moment in time, our hospital census in terms of infectious disease cases on consult is a little bit lower. And it it feels surreal because Mm -hmm. this was our normal. And it just feels like we're so not busy because we were so incredibly busy. Um, There were points where I had 70 to 100 COVID patients just in our group's census for weeks and weeks on end, which was unbelievable compared to the the typical, you know, a dozen or so uh, skin and soft tissue or bone and joint infections. And we're forever changed because of it. I, I think that we're always going to be on high alert looking for the next big thing that kind of overtakes and stresses our healthcare systems. And hopefully we've learned a significant amount from these last two years so that some of the things that we can look back on, we just don't repeat. That is Dr. Mia Teramina with Duly Health and Care. Doctor, thank you so much. As always, have a good week. You too. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.